Yes, that's right. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. It's April 2017. 2017 flying by. Three months of the year already in the books. Uh, a lot ha- has happened this year. And as far as the offseason from a Chief standpoint, a-, a couple of things have happened. As a matter of fact, since the last time we had a podcast, the Chiefs did make an acquisition in free agency. I'll talk about that shortly. And also breaking news this weekend. Uh, or, or this week, rather, with a player retiring. We'll talk about why that impacts the Chiefs, as well as all 32 NFL teams going into the draft. And a former Kansas Jayhawk in the NFL right now wrote a story for the Players' Tribune. And it's it's not, it's not it's nothing to do with sports, particularly, but it's, uh, it, it's just human life here. And uh, this player opened up about uh, something that happened to him a year ago. I'll talk about who that player is and what that story is about and why you need to know about it here on the podcast. As always, appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. There are a couple of ways you can listen and interact with me. Uh, social media, facebook.com slash Farzimusugin. Give my Facebook page a like. Interact with me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Follow me on there and interact with me on Twitter as well. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. As far as listening to the show, you can subscribe on iTunes. That's one way to listen. You can also go to my YouTube page, Farzine Vesugian. I upload all the podcasts onto YouTube and on my website, FarzineVesugian.com. Click the blog section and you can check out the podcast from there as well. All right, since we last spoke, I did talk about Tony Romo and... What could be going on? What's the holdup with the Tony Romo situation? Why is he still on the team? Are they trying to trade him? Are there negotiations as to what another team wants or what the Cowboys might want in return? Well, uh, it turns out that the Chiefs did acquire a Dallas Cowboy. It's not Tony Romo, though. It's tight end Gavin Esquire. I'll get to Tony Romo in a moment, as you all know by now. He has retired from the NFL. Kind of an interesting time uh, with what had gone on this week, but I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but as far as Gavin Escobar, uh, a second-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys in 2013 out of San Diego State and, and ha- kind of had a disappointing career with the Dallas Cowboys. Did not live up to expectations. 30 receptions. 333 yards and just eight touchdowns for the Cowboys in the three seasons he played. He had a pair of touchdowns in 2013, uh, four in 2014. So a little bit of improvement there in the touchdown area, but not a whole lot statistically. And in 2015, had just one reception, or uh, one touchdown reception, I should say, for the Cowboys. Uh, pretty... Pretty disappointing. Again, from from a guy who was a second round draft pick, this is definitely a guy who you want to see make an impact. You want to see this guy contribute in a big manner for your football team. When you think about the Dallas Cowboys and what they have on offense, of course, one of the best wide receivers in the game right now, and Des Bryant. And what if you have a guy like uh, your tight end? And that's what they expected, I imagine, out of Gavin Escobar to eventually make some progress and evolve into an impact player as a tight end. Maybe be that second option when teams were double teaming Des Bryant, but that never seemed to be the case. That never came to a fruition for Escobar over with the Dallas Cowboys. And just looking at some of his uh, scouting reports here and some of the statistics and some of the articles about Gavin Escobar's time with the Dallas Cowboys, 
he was expected to be a, a, a pass catcher in a two-option tight end set for, for the Cowboys. But that just never really was the case. It never really developed into a dependable blocker for the Cowboys. Whether it was pass blocking, trying to help the team run the football, just was not able to do it for the Dallas Cowboys. And again, looking at his stat line right there, I mentioned he 30 catches, 333 yards, and 8 touchdowns. He played 62 games, 7 starts. There was also that time span when Des Bryant was injured in 2015 for 7 games, but Escobar still wasn't really able to do a whole lot. He was a third-string tight end for most of 2015. Uh, Tony Romo being out of action for a long time, and uh, a guy by the name of Matt Castle also was his quarterback. That really didn't help much for his case. And it really, the entire team was struggling. It wasn't just him. Uh, but, you know, I, I think three years for a second-round draft pick, the, the standard is pretty high, and I think that's a lot of time for a team to really decide as to whether or not a player is a bust or not. And, you know, for a second-round draft pick, uh, going to, into the Dallas Cowboys, of course, an organization that always has high expectations. Uh, this is uh, not a pick that they're very proud of. So they parted ways with him, and now he has found his way to Kansas City. And we'll see right now. Of course, Demetrius Harris, uh, the Chiefs are dealing with that issue because he got in trouble this offseason. Uh, however, no charges have been made yet, so a player can't suffer any consequences as far as suspensions go or, or, or be fined unless there are charges made. So uh, the Chiefs are waiting on that. The league, I'm sure, is involved in some way w- waiting to see what's going to happen. These things take a really, really long time to get to the bottom of. Because look at the Sean Smith situation before he went over to the Oakland Raiders. Sean Smith, he was driving under the influence at, I believe, downtown Kansas City and hit a light pole. He received a three-game suspension, but it took more than a year for that suspension to finally be published and announced. So who knows when we're going to get an answer on Demetrius Harris and the situation there, but I still think at the end of the day, Gavin Espar is a guy who's going to get an opportunity in OTAs and certainly deserves a chance in training camp and the preseason. I think part of this is, especially depending on who the quarterback is, if Alex Smith is still the quarterback going into 2017, which I, I'll get to that as well, the, the thing about Andy Reid's style of offense and also the way that Alex Smith plays, and again, this is this is assuming that he is the quarterback, and even if the Chiefs do make a change there, I think this would still be great for Gavin Escobar. Gavin Escobar is entering a, a, a team that has a tight end friendly offense. You look at Travis Kelsey and the production he's had. Demetrius Harris has been able to do some things. And even before Demetrius Harris was able to be a, a, a role player on this team and before Travis Kelsey returned from his uh, torn ACL that he had his rookie season, miss, missing his entire rookie season, the Chiefs had Sean McGrath who was, I, I don't want to say an impact player, but he was a guy who made his presence known on the field. Again, by all means, not necessarily like a Tony Gonzalez or Shannon Sharp kind of tight end, but someone who went out there and uh, made some plays for the Chiefs and helped the Chiefs offense move as much as they could. So if a guy like Gavin Escobar is looking to resurrect his career in some manner, Kansas City is a great spot for him. So 
I think he's already got the best part, which he's in a great system. The other half is him having to uh, go on the field and prove the Dallas Cowboys wrong. And it's going to be an uphill battle for him because uh, he definitely dealt with some injuries over with the Dallas Cowboys. I think in 2015 it was. He suffered a season injury when he tore his right Achilles tendon. And that was in the 14th game of the regular season. So very late in the season, but was able to recover quickly and was able to have full participation in training camp for 2016, but still not enough for him to be able to stay on the team beyond 2016. So he's going to have to get that opportunity, get that second chance here in Kansas City. So it's a very tough league to survive when you don't live up to expectations with one team. And if you go to another like Escobar is doing right now, going to a team where he's a better fit, and if he doesn't find a way to succeed there, it's going to be pretty hard for him to to land a job moving forward. Uh, He's going to end up being a guy who might get picked up if injuries take place. And we all know injuries are part of the game, so at some point he will probably be picked up and be a a guy who fills a a spot on the depth chart. But of course, you know, being a second-round pick, you you should have uh, some high standards uh, for yourself and want to try to have a bigger role with this team. So it'd be interesting to see Escobar and Harris uh, go at it for the number two tight end spot on the football team. And Escobar's got some speed uh, coming out of college, so it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs try to work with that in OTAs and in training camp. And, of course, preseason games, that'll be a guy I definitely want to look for, Gavin Escobar, to see uh, how's he going to do under Andy Reid's style of offense. The biggest news this week, Tony Romo, Dallas Cowboys quarterback, retired from the NFL, no longer playing. Kind of a funny situation because the in the offseason, we heard how Tony Romo was taking it hard, wasn't taking the whole moving on from the Cowboys situation very well, and he was staying away from teammates, didn't want to be around them. And I think that a lot of it had to do with how the team rallied around Dak Prescott and, and props to Tony Romo, man. This is a guy who, you know, he knows he suffered some injuries. And when those injuries continue, it's going to be hard to bounce back, especially when a team found a, a quarterback who they just got from the draft and exceeded a lot of people's expectations and fell short of rookie winning rookie of the year behind his own teammate at running back with Ezekiel Elliott. So... The way he handled himself in that press conference where he said, look, he, he earned the starting job, uh, got to give a lot of props to him. It, it's it, And look, I know in this day and age we, we, that should be expected, but still, you're a guy in Tony Romo who's had so many Pro Bowls. You get all the ladies. I mean, this is a guy who's been that guy. Ladies love him. Guys want to play like him. And of course, I know Tony Romo's remembered so much for choking in certain situations, but at the end of the day, he's been better than a lot of quarterbacks in the National Football League. Look, I would gladly take Tony Romo right now if health wasn't an issue, and if health wasn't an issue, we would not be talking about Dak Prescott right now. So there's a reason why he he's in the situation where he is right now, which is retired, and he's going to be in the booth 
calling games alongside Jim Nance. And great week from Jim Nance, by the way. He calls the Final Four in the National Championship, and then he gets talked about again uh, after the National Championship for college basketball uh, when Tony Romo makes the headlines. So a uh, pretty good week if you're Jim Nance, too. But as far as Tony Romo goes, look, uh, it, it's the right move. Why wouldn't it be? And uh, good for him for stepping down and uh, taking a broadcasting role, which, uh, of course, we're seeing more and more uh, former athletes try to get into that field. Uh, I know Brady Quinn's doing a lot of radio for Sirius XM and for Fox Sports Radio. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Tony Romo does anything else in the sports broadcasting uh, industry. Now, as far as how this impacts the Chiefs, well, first of all, the Chiefs were considered a candidate by at least a lot of people, the media, the fans, as as a team that could acquire Tony Romo. The Denver Broncos also in the Tony Romo sweepstakes. But the team that was involved the most, the Houston Texans, who traded away Brock Osweiler to Cleveland. And a lot of people wondered if that's a sign that Tony Romo's pretty much on his way to Houston. That ended up not being the case at all. Which, by the way, I got to go back for a moment. I mentioned, you know, teammates, were, he was unhappy because of the situation with Prescott and, and all that. The Dallas Cowboys uh, allowed him to go out and talk to other teams, and then a day later, he retires. So the timing of all of this is crazy, and if you're Houston, you've got to wonder. Look, I think Houston was set to acquire Tony Romo. I don't know anyone who didn't think that, and now they just got spurned with Tony Romo's retirement. Well, not, not You may think as a Chiefs fan, we definitely were not in, in the Tony Romo sweepstakes, which I think would be accurate to say. I don't think, especially when you let go of Jamal Charles because of what he's dealt with the past couple of years, why would you acquire Tony Romo? And I understand the running back position is different than the quarterback position, but those are the two most prominent positions on offense. And you, you can't replace a guy who has been dealing with injuries the past two years with another guy who's been dealing with injuries the past two years. So I don't think the Chiefs were necessarily in the sweepstakes a whole lot. But this retirement still impacts the Chiefs because even though they may not be interested in Romo, or were not interested, I should say, at this point, who knows? I, I know the Chiefs have been praising Alex Smith, but there's no secret that Deep down inside, they know that they've got to see an improvement at that position. So they may be scouting quarterbacks this offseason through the draft. And with Tony Romo taking off, well, guess what? Houston's now interested in drafting a quarterback. And guess who selects right before Kansas City? It's the Houston Texans. As a matter of fact, here's what I want to do on this podcast. I want to go through the NFL draft in order. And I'm going to do this pretty quickly. I'm not going to go through every single team. Uh, I'll mention all of them, but I'll mention the ones that I think are definitely going to acquire a quarterback. Before I move on, let me just say this. There's there's so much talk about some of these quarterbacks here. Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina, Deshaun Kaiser, Notre Dame, Pat Mahomes, Texas Tech, Deshaun Watson out of Clemson, and of course uh, the reigning national champions from, from college football. So many people are saying that Deshaun Watson will have a better career than the four quarterbacks I named, but when you look at mock drafts and quarterback rankings from this draft class, Deshaun Watson is fourth on this list. 
and maybe it's a close third, but it's it's fluctuated quite a lot. And I know mock drafts change from time to time, especially with the combine, private workouts, interviews, whatever the case may be, pro days. Uh, a, a lot happens. I'm looking at NFL.com's mock drafts. They have several guys whose mock drafts you can look at, uh, five guys to be exact. And all five of them are in agreement that the first two picks are going to be defensive ends. They all agree Miles Garrett from Texas A&M will be the number one overall pick to the Browns. And the second overall pick would be Solomon Thomas. The reason I'm saying, also a defensive end, the reason I'm saying this is because, and listen, I'm no scout, I'm no expert, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about these things. I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm, 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 I'm Matt Miller or uh, Mal Kuyper, his name escaped me for a moment. Because the thing is with these guys, they really evaluate every single player from skills, Hand movement, feet movement, quickness, so many things, so many machinations that just come together and eventually predicting an NFL draft. The thing with quarterbacks, from my standpoint, if a lot of people think that Deshaun Watson would have the better career, listen, maybe his stock isn't high, but if you're a team in the top five and you have a, a... a pick, and you need a quarterback, why wouldn't you take one? In the mock draft that I'm seeing on NFL.com right now, just on this one for now, none of the five experts here, whatever you want to call them, they don't have a quarterback going in the top five. The earliest is Mitch Trubinsky, and that is just one analyst that's picking him to go to the Jets number six overall. And I think the reason not a lot of people are predicting early QE selections because of the fact that they don't have a lot of value. Not necessarily maybe top five or top ten guys. So this is a mock draft to me is pretty hard to predict predict because you've got you've got some good quarterbacks in this class. You really do, and this is gonna be a very weird mock draft. You can find four different analysts. And they might give you four completely different rankings with mock drafts, as far as who the which quarterbacks they think is better. So here's what I want to do: I want to go through the mock draft right now, or not the mock draft, the draft order, and I'll let you know which team I think could take a quarterback. Cleveland, they've got two picks, by the way. They've got another pick at, at the 12th spot, and they've got the number one overall pick. They're definitely in the market for a quarterback. Number two, you got San Francisco. Definitely need a quarterback. The Chicago Bears, I've seen a lot of people still think that they're going to take a quarterback, even though what they've done this offseason, grabbing Mike Lennon and also signing Mark Sanchez, which I don't know if they're trying to compete with Rex Grossman to see who can be the worst quarterback in Bears history. Uh, But as of now... I just don't think that Chicago would invest in another quarterback. I mean, you're just spending way too much money under center, and you don't want to do that, especially in the NFL when you hear so much about cap room and so many players demanding money, and you've got to use your money wisely to try to better your franchise, and that's what the Chicago Bears want. Jacksonville, I've heard I've heard a couple people also predict a surprise here, but I don't think it happens. Uh, not with Blake Bortles. Certainly not with Blake Bortles. 
Tennessee, they've got their quarterback. The Jets certainly need a quarterback. The Chargers, I could see a surprise move here where they draft a quarterback and then have him just learn the system behind Phillip Rivers for a little bit. But I think the chances of that are very slim. If I had to put money down, I say no, it does not happen. Carolinas, they, they've got their young quarterback. Uh, they're, they're just fine. Andy Dalton with the Bengals at number nine. The Buffalo Bills uh, could be a team, but I'll, I'll say no on that one. And then when you move on uh, with the 11th pick, you got the Saints. I don't think they go for a quarterback. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, as I mentioned, at number 12, the, the, they got this pick from the Eagles. The Arizona Cardinals, Carson Palmer's sitting 37, so uh, that's maybe there. Kind of similar reasons to what I said with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, the Eagles, they recently got a quarterback, so so I, there's no way they do that. They're, uh, the Colts have Andrew Luck. The Ravens have Joe Flacco. The Redskins, I I don't see them going for a quarterback. The Titans, once again, are in the first round of the draft. I, they're Obviously, they're not going to take one when they have Mariota. Tampa Bay has... Jameis Winston, the Broncos just drafted a quarterback in the first round last year, so we're through the top 20, and there are already some teams with valid reasons to want to take a quarterback. These are the teams starting at 21 in the playoffs. The Lions, no way. Miami Dolphins, they're committed, so I I, I say no to that one. The New York Giants, uh, maybe kind of a similar reason to the the, the 49er, uh, pardon me, the Chargers, but I say no, I I don't think it happens. The Oakland Raiders, obviously not. The Houston Texans, definitely. The Seattle Seahawks at 26 now, and then at 27, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, right just two picks behind the Houston Texans, certainly in the market for a quarterback. So you've got the Texans right before you interested for sure in a quarterback. Just going backwards through the list here, the Cardinals could possibly go for a quarterback. The Browns, they've got two picks, so they could pick a quarterback with the 12th pick overall. So, two teams right there. And then looking at the top 10, Buffalo Bills maybe, the New York Jets for sure, the Chicago Bears, doubtful, San San Francisco, yes, and then Cleveland once again, yes. So there are a couple of teams ahead of you who certainly want a quarterback. And again, here's my thing. If people truly do believe that Deshaun Watson would have the best career among the four, uh, the four top quarterbacks in this draft, listen, I, I don't know why you wouldn't pull the trigger. Who cares where experts have them? Listen, as far as I know, a lot of people in sports today, general managers, coaches, players... They laugh off a lot of things that people say in mock drafts or people say with predictions. Now, sometimes they end up being right. Sometimes they end up being wrong. Regardless, just because all these experts with their mock drafts, just because they have something out there, doesn't mean that's how it's going to pan out. and doesn't mean that an NFL exec, general manager, whatever, would agree with that or, or, or think that's accurate. They have their own draft board and their... Uh, their list of players that they like. So, to me, I could see a team going for Deshaun Watson early on. So my point is, with the 27th pick, I just don't think, and I know mock drafts have projected this for the Chiefs, but truly, I don't know if 
there is going to be a quarterback available for the Chiefs with the 27th pick. I think the best quarterback available would be Davis Webb, who is not projected to be taken in the first round. He's projected to go any from, anywhere from the second to the third round, maybe the fourth round, but I doubt he slips that far. So, Davis Webb, again, a, a guy coming out of Cal, but do you really want to rely on him? I, you know that Deshaun Watson's a better player, and again, who knows? Maybe he pulls a Dak Prescott or a Tom Brady, but those are very rare. We, we, let's be honest here. So, there are some quarterbacks that the Chiefs could definitely look into, but they've got to trade up. The point of me reading this mock draft, and again, obviously I was doing it with the assumption, a horrible assumption, that there are no trades happening. If that was the case, somehow the Chiefs do not get a quarterback with the 27th pick. I just don't think that out of all these teams that really need a quarterback, and with this pretty loaded talent of young QBs coming in, I think they would definitely pull the trigger here. Uh, You know, you could get Trubisky... Kaiser, Mahomes, Watson, I mean, take your pick here. Uh, odds are you're going to get a good quarterback if you have, if you, if you, if no quarterback's been taken and you want to take a quarterback and these are your four options, you're sitting pretty here. The toughest part is who do you pick, which is a good problem to have, of course. So I think at the end of the day, if you're Kansas City and you really want one of these quarterbacks, and you guys know me, I've said this all along, Deshaun Watson's been my guy, that's the guy who I, who I really want to see, I think you've got to trade up and make a move. I don't think Cleveland is willing to trade that pick, I, I just think they're locked in, they want a quarterback this year. The 49ers, they definitely need a quarterback. I think the Titans are really your best bet. A team like Tennessee, obviously looking to make that next step to become division contenders in a really wide-open division where, shockingly, the past two years, it's the Texans who won that division. A team that doesn't even... They've had a myriad of... Houston has been the quarterback convention in the NFL the past two years, and they've still won the AFC South the past two years, somehow. So if you are Tennessee, would you be interested in a team? They've got the 5th pick and the 18th pick. By the 18th pick, a couple of these quarterbacks should be gone. Maybe three of them. Hopefully Deshaun Watson is still available at 18. And if that's the case, man, Kansas City, you've got to look at John Dorsey. He's got to make that trade. He's got to. I just think with... What Tennessee has, and I mentioned that they have fallen short of winning the AFC South. Very young football team. And if they can make that trade, and I'm talking about John Dorsey, if he can make that trade with Tennessee, give them a couple of picks to to use. Give them that 27th pick that the Chiefs own. And then negotiate from, from, from that point forward. The Chiefs do have a second round pick, which I don't know if they would want to surrender that also. They do have a pair of third-round picks, 91st overall and 104, so four picks within the first 104, and if you can trade up with that 18 spot, maybe even the 5 spot, if you're really that high on one of these quarterbacks, then look, make that move, fine. But I think with the 5 pick, Tennessee would be demanding a second-round pick, and I don't know if the Chiefs want to surrender that. 
So to me, that 18th pick, that's the magic number right there. I think the Chiefs have to make a trade with the Titans for that 18th spot and give them the 27th overall pick so that way Tennessee can still have two first-round picks and then let them be a lot more active in the second day of the draft by trying to bring in more guys to help the offense or maybe even the defense if that's what they want to do. you got two third-round picks, and if your big focus is the quarterback spot, you may not even need those third-round picks, or at least one of them. I don't really know if I would be... I just don't know if I would want to give up both those third-round picks, but, man, if Deshaun Watson's there, how can you say, screw it, let's let's give them what they want, because you, you guys know my thoughts on this. I've said this in past podcasts, so go listen to it, but the short version of it, the clip version notes here, I just think if you can upgrade at that quarterback spot, Kansas City is going to be a lot more competitive. Do they win the Super Bowl? If I had to put money down and say right now yes or no, I say no because a rookie quarterback has never done it. So the chances of that are very, very slim. But I do think within the next couple of years, if you can keep this offense together, a very underrated offensive line in my opinion, and you've been able to move the football on offense, but if you can also bring in a running back, this is a Chiefs team that I think can make an impact in the playoffs, and who knows what's going to happen with the Patriots in the next couple of years. If Tom Brady's still there, they're, they're saying he still will, but who knows? A lot can happen in two, three years. Even in one year, too. But I think the Chiefs, with this defense they have, and special teams looks great, it really does. I think this is a team that can be a force to be reckoned with if they can get a guy like Deshaun Watson. So maybe it would be worth a first-round pick, and two third-round picks. I mean, listen, let's let's redo the year Tom Brady got drafted. If, knowing what we know now, let's just, let's just assume Tom Brady was a big-name player coming out of college, out of Michigan. If the Patriots wanted to trade up with the top-five pick, if they, if they were high on Tom Brady, and if they thought that this guy could bring him a couple Super Bowls, maybe even more, wouldn't you give up whatever first-round pick you have to trade up and maybe a second round and a, a couple of third rounds, maybe accommodate not all of them, of course, but because you still want to try to get other players yourselves. But let, let, let's look at Kansas City's case. If you know a guy could be Tom Brady, if you're that sure, I mean, if you know for a fact that someone could be Tom Brady, you certainly would trade a first-round pick and a pair of thirds. Actually, I take that. If you know someone's going to bring you five Super Bowls, you trade your entire draft selection. You just you just would, just for that pick. But realistically, we don't know that to be the case. But what we do know is that these quarterbacks coming out, they're going to do great things in the NFL. So I think if you're really certain on one of these quarterbacks and you want to trade up, yeah, listen, you've got to go out there and and give them what they want because they have two first-round picks, and I'm referring to the, to the Titans, of course, and they want to they wanna stockpile. They, they want to load up. They want to try to improve this offense as much as possible, and they've got a pair of draft picks that they could use to help out the team. So if you're Kansas City and you want to take one of their picks away, 
they're obviously trading down, so you've got to reimburse them in some way. So that 18th pick to me, that's what the Kansas City Chiefs have got to keep an eye on. And I think as fans, we've got to keep an eye on that come draft day later this month. And we'll see if that's what the Chiefs will go after. And if the Chiefs don't go after a quarterback, listen, I just don't think you can go far with Alex Smith. You you just don't. Last year, 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Are those really QB numbers that'll translate into a Super Bowl champion? I, I just don't think so. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a pro scout to to know that. So I think the Chiefs have got to look at that 18th pick. And if Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, I know Mahomes has been a guy who's also been talked about. If those guys are still available with that 18th pick, at least one of them, I think you have to make that move. I just don't think any of those four quarterbacks that I've been mentioning throughout the podcast, there is no way they are available with the 27th pick. I just don't see it happening. Let's go around the NFL. All right, Marshawn Lynch, remember him from the Seattle Seahawks, retired. However, according to reports, Lynch tells the Raiders he intends to come out of retirement and play. So he's currently under the Oakland Raiders' radar. And what I'll say about this, if the Raiders do add him, that just bolsters an already prolific offense. And more so in the passing department with what you have with Derek Carr and those wide receivers. Crabtree definitely resurrecting his career. And Cooper doing an outstanding job since he's been drafted by the Raiders. But adding Marshawn Lynch. And I think this is a guy who maybe you don't use a whole lot early in the season. But when the season gets a little colder. And again, I, I, I don't think weather is a big factor. But I do tend to think that teams would prefer to run the ball a little bit more. I think that's a time, and again, keep in mind, more importantly, that's when the playoff race heats up, and the Raiders did fall, what, just half a game short, I guess, of beating the Chiefs, and a lot of it had to do with Derek Carr being injured. If they can add him to the offense, the Raiders are probably looking at the AFC West and possibly would be the favorites. As of right now, I would consider the Raiders as the favorites, but adding Lynch would just help solidify that. And I think this would be... A great addition for the Oakland Raiders. One other great addition that could happen out there. A lot of people talking about Adrian Peterson who recently visited the New England Patriots. Now, here's what's crazy. People are already writing in the Patriots as Super Bowl champions for this upcoming season. Because they're they're assuming that Adrian Peterson signs with the Patriots. Let me just say this. Never assume a Super Bowl champion. I think I learned this when the Lakers added Steve Nash and Dwight Howard the same year. And I still remember. I still have the Sports Illustrated cover where Steve Nash and Dwight Howard were on the cover smiling and pumping their chest. And I think the headline said something to the effect of how this is going to be fun. And the Lakers were a mess that year. Every single team predicted them to be the number one team in the West, and 
make it into the NBA Finals and, and take it all, and the complete opposite happened. Never assume things in sports. Everyone thought that when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, that it was over. The Warriors were going to be champions. And now there's discussion that, look, would Kevin Durant even be back next year with the Warriors? Are the Warriors even going to be in the NBA Finals? So never assume anything in sports. A lot can happen in a season. One last thing, I did mention the Raiders. Former Kansas Jayhawk and current Oakland Raider Ben Heaney wrote an article for the Players' Tribune, which, by the way, if you uh, have not read the Players' Tribune much, please do. It's a fantastic website where current and former players give their perspective on a lot of different things. The one that I love the most was Michael Vick's article right before the Falcons and Patriots squared off in the Super Bowl. Uh, Very heartbreaking article that he wrote about how his grandma passed away and how uh, just right around the same time he learned about Atlanta drafting a quarterback, which of course is Matt Ryan. The the Players' Tribune is a fantastic place, and I definitely recommend everyone to, to do it. I'm still surprised at how much people have don't know uh, about that website yet. Definitely check it out. But Ben Heaney wrote uh, a really uh, a tearjerker uh, on there. Um, and I can only imagine what it was like for him to write about. He talked about his best friend and teammate from KU, Brandon Bourbon. And uh, mentioned how it was about a year ago this time, Brandon Bourbon had took taken his life and just how everything added up but he just didn't see it coming uh, when he took his life and he he went on to talk about how Brandon Bourbon was visiting just about because people he went missing and then right when they learned that he had committed suicide people realized that they had a chance to talk to him because Brandon was visiting his family members, his close friends, before he went and did what he did. And it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously people will never understand suicide. It's a, it's a very tragic thing. Anyone who's had a family member or a friend go through it, it's just heartbreaking to even take in. It really is. So, uh, yeah, I, I still remember a, a classmate of mine in high school. I wouldn't call him a friend, but he was in the same circle of friends who I, I still recall, recall from high school. Uh, I just remember he took his life one day, and it was such a dark day, and uh, so many people were... Wa- For me, that was the first time I had known of anyone who had committed suicide. And uh, to this day, it, it's hard to figure out why someone had done this. What what made someone think that there was no way out to, to go in this direction? Look what happened with Javon Belcher in 2012 a few years ago. You know, why did things have to end that way for him? Why did he do it, especially the way he ended up doing it? Uh, and in the article, Ben Heaney talked about how he wanted to get the word out and help people. And he also mentioned, you know, he gave a, a number and a website for suicide prevention and I just think it's important that, you know, you are aware of your surroundings, the people who are close to you. And I, I admit I, I'm, I'm guilty of maybe not being aware as I should be. If someone acts different, which Ben talked about his friend doing so in this article, if someone acts different uh, as his friend did, you never know what the next thing could be. Maybe someone's just having a bad day and that's why they're acting different. Maybe someone really is having a really hard time with their life lately and, and they have that motive to want to end things with their life. Uh, you never know. 
a lot of times when I see people, uh, whether it's friends or, or work, whoever, if someone's just different, I just assume they're having a bad day. Maybe maybe something's wrong at home, and I I just try to stay away and leave them alone. Because Ben Heaney even mentioned he called his uh, his friend's parents, Brandon's parents, and said, "Look, Brandon's acting weird." And even then, before that, uh, Ben Heaney he contemplated, "Should I call or not?" Because he wasn't sure if if this was even his place to even say something. But at the end of the day, he says he has no regrets because at at, at the end of it. He felt good about himself, and knowing what he knows now, he at least he tried to get some sort of help, uh, try to get someone else to be aware of it. So uh, this is, a, of, of course, a message for for Ben, for him to get out there and say, look, never take things for granted, and if you see someone who's just been acting up lately, certainly you you got to do something about it. And I know sometimes it's hard because the other person might try to push that away as much as possible, but I think it's your job to break that barrier and say that you'll do something. Very tragic read, and uh, I definitely think everyone should read it. It's on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Vasugan, and I tweeted it on my Twitter, at Farzine21. Let's go out of bounds. Oh boy, uh, the panic button is being passed around in Kansas City. The Royals 0-2, and the way they've lost each of their first two games against Minnesota, a team that they have handled the last couple of years. Uh, it's not looking too good. Uh, listen, people are still high on Kansas City's World Series run. Uh, well, their appearances for, for back-to-back years. And of course, winning it in 2015... Uh, this is this is going to be interesting because the Royals in 2015 they were experiencing sellouts on weekdays in the humidity. Which, listen, I, I know for years the Royals have been a really bad team, and because of the humidity that we have here in the heart of America, going to Kauffman Stadium might not be the most enticing thing to do. I mean, let's be honest. But when you win, nobody gives a damn. People will go out there sweating for three, four hours just to see uh, the best baseball team out there. And of course, that's what the Royals wore for two years. Uh, the only team in that two-year span to win their own league and appear in the World Series. And of course, winning one of the World Series that they appeared in. So the Royals really were that team for two years that were, were hard to stop. Here's what I'm interested in, because I got to be careful with what I say here, because Royals fans have become very sensitive. Nobody was attending games early in 2014. Let's just be honest. Attendance wasn't high, even the first year in recent memory when the Royals went to the World Series in 2014. It really wasn't until that wildcard game where you saw a packed house at the K. 2015, as I mentioned, they had sellouts on weekdays. Now, 2016, you still saw two, the, the attendance number pass 2 million, but it wasn't as high as the previous year. I know Alex Gordon was at a at a Sprint store, I believe it was, downtown. And from what I heard, there was a very low turnout there. 
And Alex Gordon's been a guy who's been here for a long time. Again, like I kind of said about Tony Romo, he's the kind of player that every guy would like to be as a baseball player. And he's also the guy that girls have a crush on. And for him to not even have a big turnout for this free autograph event that he was there for, pretty shocking. And it kind of makes me wonder, with the direction this team's going in, could we see attendance, attendance decline? Here's why I'm bringing this up, because people were not attending Royals games, and that's okay. They were not good. They were awful for a long time. I'm a Kansas Jayhawk fan, and there's a reason why the football team, they have $2 front row seats. They do. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason why Allen Fieldhouse is packed for every single game, because they lose, what, once every two years at Allen Fieldhouse? Which is pretty impressive, I would say. So there's a reason why when teams are bad, fans shouldn't really be... There's no reason to to spend tickets or merchandise. There really isn't. I didn't attend Royals games for a long time because of how bad the team was. The only Royals merchandise I bought was All-Star gear when the All-Star game was here in Kansas City. Now... Here are people claiming that they were forever royal and that they've been a Royals fan for life. They stole my heart since I was born, which you know is complete bogus. We all know that there were so many people who didn't even want to attend. I mean, attending a Royals game was more of like an entertainment thing. The past couple of years, it's been a pretty serious thing where people have been out there because they are expecting a win at the end of the day. So now... They're 0-2. They've had two brutal losses to Minnesota. And again, it is two games out of 162. But the panic button goes fast in this day and age. So we all know that if this keeps up, there's not going to be a high attendance number. And here's what's funny is that last year, Fangraphs mentioned that the Royals were not going to do good. That they were going to finish either... Barely above 500 or below 500. They finish exactly at 500. And I know injuries played a role, but look, that's part of sports. And now this year, uh, Pete Granoff of the Kansas City Star, he put out an article where he, he talks about what goes on on social media, the reactions from fans and such. He put out an article that uh, basically evaluating every single MLB expert. And only I think out of... Uh, a couple hundred, only five of them predicted the Royals would make it as a playoff team. And all of the, all five of those said it would be as a wildcard team. And Royals fans were stunned by this. I mean, the reaction on social media, it was pretty serious. Royals fans weren't having any of this. Listen, uh, people also went on and said that how predictions don't matter because it was a negative prediction towards their team. Listen... I just saw the uh, new AP poll for college basketball and KU's number one. And KU fans are celebrating like they just made the final four. Because we all know that barely happens under Bill Self. So KU fans, and let's be honest, a lot of KU fans are also Royals fans. They take the AP college basketball poll seriously because their beloved Jayhawks are number one. But when there are negative predictions about their Royals... They say that predictions don't matter. Listen, you can't have it both ways. You've got to be consistent with it. And I know it's a hard thing in this day and age. Logic is really hard to come by. I get it. But you can't go out there and criticize 
sports analysts for predicting positive things and praising them, but then you bash them when they're predicting negative things about your team. You just sports predictions are taken way too seriously. I saw power rankings for the NFL offseason, and Chiefs fans were just offended by this, saying that offseason power rankings mean nothing. Listen, I know a lot of times these power rankings are generated just for views because fans will still click them. Even though they they hate the fact that their team was rated so low, fans will still come back the following week. That's what they do. So, listen, we are consumers still biting the bait. And at the end of the day, if you don't like what's being predicted, unfollow ESPN on Twitter. Or just block off the media completely. Don't read the newspaper. People have got to understand, if there's a reason to predict against your team, as fans, you've got to accept it. And I know I'm a different sports fan. I, I can I can handle the truth. If, if my team sucks, I'm not going to shy away from saying it. You've got to speak the truth, and I think that's how NFL general managers and execs talk. All sports execs. Because if they don't try to seek out the truth, how are they going to improve? So I think sports fans, especially Royals fans, listen, let's be realistic here. We just can't have it both ways. Now again, it is two games out of 162, so let's not hit the panic button at the same time. You don't start off a season to start it off losing what six to one and then nine to one. No, uh, sports teams, uh, of course, you don't want that at all, ever. So it is still early for me. I'm not going to make any judgments until late May, early June, because I think that's around the time where you can realistically look and say, okay, this is this is what the postseason could look like. So again, as Royals fans. Just relax. These are predictions. And if your team hasn't been doing well lately, well, maybe there's a reason why people are predicting what they're predicting. Deal with it. Let's throw some penalty flags. All right, as you guys know, North Carolina won the national championship, but... How they got there before that in the Final Four game against Oregon? How do the Oregon Ducks allow that? For those who missed it, with less than five seconds left to go, North Carolina goes to the free throw line to shoot two free throws. They missed both of them. They get the offensive rebound. So they go to the line for two more. Now, a little bit of time came off the clock, so there's about three seconds left. They shoot two more free throws. They missed them both. And North Carolina gets the ball back again. And by that point, time expired. They were able to take it back out to where Oregon would not have enough time at all to get an offensive. Let me say this. That is worse than losing on a buzzer beater. If you get, if you force a team to shoot four free throws and it's still a one-point game and you cannot box out and get the rebound, I don't even know how you got to the Final Four. I think that getting to the Final Four was already a shocker because of beating Kansas, essentially, at Allen Fieldhouse. So the fact that Oregon was able to pull that off only to lose like that, that is pretty disappointing. Yeah, sure, they were number three seed. They they defeated a one, and they were so close to beating another number one. But you can't lose like that. You can't allow that. You've got to box out. And... 
The fact that they just allowed North Carolina to get back-to-back offensive rebounds like that, oh man, that you just deserve a fight. I'll throw another one just for the hell of it. It was that bad. You cannot allow a team to just sneak a win like that. North Carolina totally stole it. And you know what? That's okay. Luck is always a part of sports. I, I said this during the season when the Chiefs had so many of their crazy come-from-behind wins. Luck certainly played a role in that. For, for sure, Luck certainly played a role in the Chiefs winning the division because it took a David Carr injury for that to happen. And that's okay. It, it took poor boxing out. Which, we don't ever talk about this as a factor as to why teams lose. It took not being able to box out for Oregon for North Carolina to advance to the title game. You take it. Especially when it's a big game like that in a big stage. Alright, I've talked about this on the show before. I really would love to invest in a dash cam uh, to put on my car and just record things while I'm driving. Uh, because I feel like I could make so many videos off this, and, and perhaps a lot of money and subscribers and whatnot, uh, it's bad drivers. I, I, if there's anything I don't like, it's bad drivers. I, I, a lot of times when my friends want to get together, they, they invite me to the car with them. Uh, I, I always, I, I like to go myself. I really do. And the only other person I would trust is my brother in the driver's seat. I, I, I was driving over the weekend, and... There's a there's a four-way intersection, but only a two-way stop sign, which I'm sure you guys have come across many times. So I'm driving, I'm coming up, and this lady, who is supposed to stop and wait for me to go by, she gets right in front of me, I, I have to slam on my brakes, she's shaking her head at me like I did something, I honk, she honks back. So here's this genius, listen, like I said earlier, I know logic is a very hard thing to come by for a lot of people. I just don't understand people who can't accept their own errors. Like, like you cannot stop at a stop sign. You're shaking your head at me. I honk at you, honk back at me. What did I do? So if you're listening out there, which I doubt, hire a cab driver. Because you certainly suck at driving. Was that too harsh? If so, I hope so. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I've said this before on the podcast. If if I date a girl and she's the hottest girl out there, she if she's the kind of girl every guy wants, if she can't drive, it's uh, I I can't do it. Like that's a deal breaker for me. I, I I just can't stand it. I I truly don't see how difficult driving is. Now look, I, I know some people wanna surpass the speed limit and such and I just think it's it's stupid uh, I, I, I just I, I can't fathom what's so difficult about driving I have to go through multiple four-way intersections or four-way stop signs on my way to work at least uh, through four of them which is a lot four of them and my workplace is only 10 minutes away and every single morning, and even in the evenings when I come home, there's always at least one person who just cannot follow the proper directions of a, of a four-way intersection. Uh, people seem to think that if 
if you if you just get to a stop sign and if you just stop for one second you can go after that on a four-way no you can't do that you have to let everyone else go that was there before you it's not a one second wait um and personally i hate four-way stop uh, stop signs i I just think they if, if there's a big truck that takes a while to go, and I'm talking one of those big delivery trucks that take a long time to get through a street. There are some people who will not wait their turn and skip the turn, their, uh, someone else's turn and go because it takes a while. Okay, fine, I've done that before because I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna collide with anyone, especially if there's a big left turn being made by one of those big trucks. But when it just comes down to just following orders on the on the street. So many people can't do it. And that drives me nuts. This is the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Subscribe on iTunes. You can also listen to the podcast through YouTube, Farzine Vesugian, and on my website, farzinevesugian.com. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash farzinevesugian. You can also follow me on Twitter at farzine21 and email me, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. The Cage Zone Podcast, my new MMA podcast, has been published. However, there are some technical difficulties. It's not up on iTunes yet. It's so frustrating. I, I've been contacting different people, and then they direct me to contact someone else. So I've been playing this great game of telephone throughout the week, just trying to figure out why the podcast is not up on iTunes. But it is on YouTube and on my website, Farzimusugian. So please check it out if you're an MMA fan and if you're interested in it. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Drive safely. Please stop at stop signs. Until then, I won't honk at you. Talk to you next week.